Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch us, too. We are on your computer, even your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. Today, we're helping the Mississippi Symphony Orchestra open their 78th season. It's kicking off this weekend with an electrifying event that's nothing but the blues. I love that name. And they're spotlighting Miss Shana Steele, who's joining us in the studio. She's going to be singing her heart out <laughs> this upcoming weekend. So welcome. Thank you. And I have to say welcome back. So yeah. <laughs> I, I would I normally would say you brought the cold weather from New York. You were born in Mississippi, <laughs> moved. But we actually just created the cold weather for you. So it's yeah. warmer. I mean, it's warmer in New York than it is here now. It, this is true. I left a spring behind and <laughs> welcomed winter when I came down south. Well, you just take all winter right back with I you. I will, gladly. <laughs> <laughs> when you fly back up north. But so Mississippi is where you were born. How, no, I wasn't you born were, here. You weren't born here. No, my but, dad was stationed at Keesler Air Force Base. So I was actually born in California. But you called uh, Biloxi home for yes, a little ma'am. while. So yes. what were the age range of, of you living in Biloxi? Um, I moved there right before I turned 10 years old and I left after I graduated. And then you still come back often because you consider that home where family sort of is. The whole fam's there. So when did you start singing? When was that like, I feel like most people who make it to a a larger stage came out of the womb singing or or the family would feel that way. But how did you find your love of of voice? Oh, my father was an incredible vocalist. He passed away four years ago and uh, and he taught me everything that I know. Um, He was performing when he served in the Air Force. He was performing you know, the different talent competitions leading up to like Tops and Blue, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard about. And I just, I went to those shows and watched him and would get on stage and sing. So that, that started at two years old for me. And then you left Mississippi mm-hmm. and you've kind of made voice a career. I know yes. you're a golden eagle and I'm going to come, you know, you were there for a year. So yeah. that makes us one and the same. That's right. In that way. <laughs> but what called you uh, to the Big Apple? I know that's where you left and headed to yeah. New York and yeah. to pursue your dreams. So uh, what, what drew you there? Uh, well, I wanted to be on Broadway and I didn't know how it was going to happen. How was a little girl from Biloxi going to make it in New York City? And um, thankfully, I had a couple of friends that were established there, including um, a former manager of mine uh, back in the day. I did Star Search when I was like 15. I love that. Um, Ed McMahon Star Search. And so that same manager I was working with um, 
I reached out to her when I was uh, there over the summer and said, you know what, I think I want to go on some auditions. And uh, so she started sending me out and I went in for Rent, which was probably like the third or fourth audition I went in for. And I got it. And I booked it. What was it like your first, (laughs) I mean, because I, from what little I know Mm -hmm. of Broadway, in fact, uh, one of the best insights is there's a wonderful photographer out of Oxford. Her name is Skipping Me, but she was a guest here on Good Things. Mm -hmm. She kind of shoots the behind the scenes there on Broadway. Okay. And um, anyway, it just goes to show that, man, there's a lot of work that goes into that great performance. Absolutely. And then y'all have to do it like a bazillion times. Yeah. Yeah. So the, fir- <laughs> so the first time, though, you stepped on stage mm-hmm. and got to open up your voice and sing as, as you know, uh, a vocalist on Broadway. What was that like? I, I, I It was an out-of-body experience. It's just something that I had dreamt about and waited for so long. So to actually be doing something that I had been manifesting for so many years. It, it is an out-of-body experience, and, and it's also, I'm, I'm able to recognize it now that I'm I'm older and wiser, <laughs> is that um, you really, that it really is possible no matter where you come from. Um, it's really possible to pursue and, and achieve uh, whatever it is that you put your mind to. And keep going, because it's yeah. one thing to you know get that first role. It's another thing to sort of be able to make a career out of it yeah. or keep have these opportunities coming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now you were talking about your time here in Mississippi, but we uh, we uh, kind of over we we went faster in your timeline. Mm-hmm. But what year were you Miss Mississippi National Preteen <laughs> that you kind of dropped that little bit of tidbit oh of information? Oh my gosh, yeah. So that was 1980s. <laughs> 88, I believe it was. I was Miss Mississippi National Preteen. I was 11 years old. And then you got second runner up for the national. In the national, yeah. I won the talent portion of the pageant, which that, that seemed to be what I kept winning. And all. I, I went through the whole like Miss Mississippi, uh, Miss America. Uh, whatever the the world of Miss America and I was just like you know what pageants are not really for me but I would always win the talent portion and I thought well maybe I need to just focus on music. Well you bring up a good point though yeah. Shanana because before you had like the internet mm-hmm. and you had the different platforms or you even had the um, vocal contest that we have now I know yeah. you mentioned uh, Star Search mm-hmm. You know, th- that for young women, that was one of the only stages that they could utilize yeah. if they enjoyed singing or dancing or sort of had a platform. Pageants were a gateway for that. They right. absolutely were. And, and when people ask, ask me that, I say, you know, thank God for pageants because they did that. That was the way for me to be able to branch out as a vocalist outside of Mississippi, to be on a national stage, to have that experience of being on a big stage. So I'm I'm incredibly thankful for the National Preteen Organization for giving me that opportunity because it, it just kind of set set the stage, no pun intended, uh, for uh, for what what was to come. What was to come is a lot, a lot yeah. of wonderful yeah. career. Yeah. And then bringing you back to Mississippi for tonight with the mm-hmm. Mississippi Symphony Orchestra. This is only like your second or third time to sing in Mississippi, which is incredible. S- since I since I left. Uh, right. Yeah, I sang with the uh, G- Gulf Coast Symphony in Biloxi many, many years ago. And um, and then I've come back with my band to sing some of my original stuff every time I put a record out, which I'll also do in May as well. So how did the collaboration with the orchestra happen for Nothing But the Blues? It's ha- I guess it's opening up tomorrow? Tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night. Is, it's just one performance. Um, actually, so the program was created during the pandemic because obviously everything shut down musically, including the orchestras. So when orchestras started to do um, online streaming concerts, it, it's a lot easier to just bring in one singer than maybe three or four you know they they were calling us super spreaders (laughs) because we're just projecting so much so um when uh, jeff tyzik who did all the incredible orchestral arrangements for the show uh 
said, you know, let's 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 get this blues show out there. I think it'll be a great show to do right now. It's 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 easy to put together. There's one vocalist, and it kind of took off from there. It, we got such a great response, so everyone's starting to pick the show up, and it's it's exciting. I love singing the music. When you had the opportunity to sing the blues, what, mm-hmm. were was it a connection because you had Mississippi roots, or did it make it more of a like I'm doing that because you had Mississippi roots? Like which came first, chicken or the egg? I I think um you know Jeff immediately thought of me when he wanted to put a blues program together because of my history with blues music. I mean my my original music is very blues and jazz adjacent um, or j- jazz influence. So therefore it was it was kind of a natural thing to for me to jump into this program. Um, so, yeah, it, it was more of like, well, what can we create around Shana's voice, which is incredibly flattering for yeah. someone like me. And then to think about, like, all the music that you have to choose from. How mm-hmm. do you start narrowing down <laughs> blues options for, I mean, it's, yeah. how long's the event? Maybe two hours? Uh, something <laughs> like that with an intermission. Um, but there's also other songs outside of the, the, the songs that I'm singing. But um, the songs that I'm focusing on were made famous by by female by black female blues singers which to me is um those are the giants of blues music those are incredibly large shoulders to stand upon you know they were they were pioneers um in in blues and jazz music in a time where it wasn't necessarily accepted for a woman a woman to be singing about something so sensual or so like real um so that to me i I i'm proud that i get to represent those women and then you to be the only one or not the only woman on stage i know there's plenty of women within the but you standing there and sort of owning it and having sort of that that moment that's got to be different than being on broadway where there's a lot of things going on i know there's solo acts you know on the stage but then there's a lot of sort of moving pieces Mm -hmm. is it a little bit different when it's just Shana Steele up there well and your musicians it's it's different and it's the same I mean transitioning from Broadway to being a solo artist um it it definitely ha- was a bit of a learning curve, but now I've been doing it for so long. The, the, the thing that I find is the same and where I take my Broadway training is that I'm always telling a story. I, I'm never a singer that gets up and is just like, let me just sing you all the fantastic things I know how to do with my voice. It's just like... I want it to be authentic and I and I want it to be genuine. Whatever, whatever lyric I'm singing, I really do pay attention to that. And people need to pay attention to how they can get their tickets for nothing but mm-hmm. the blues. It's 730 tonight. Thalia Mara Hall. Mm-hmm. I nailed it. Tomorrow Maybe. night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. <laughs> Don't come tonight. It'll be cold and you'll be all alone and there won't yeah. be anybody there. <laughs> we'll, we'll be rehearsing. So. <laughs> unless you'll be rehearsing. So you have to, have to sort of think about it and sort of get your tickets. Do you know how folks can get tickets or there's plenty I, at the door? Uh, I think you can still get tickets at the box office but we highly recommend you get them ahead of time i think i think it's getting yeah we're getting packed you're getting packed because it's a one night only event that's right how many you said you and your band how many is in your band well no i'm i didn't bring my band for this one gotcha i'm later on i got got the orchestra i got the orchestra you know i was gonna ask how does the how do those two (laughs) sort of work out together but we totally have got it shana do you have time to stick with us yeah all right we got you in mississippi we're gonna hang tight we got more with shana Steele coming up next here on good things Between us 
computer, your mobile device. You can watch us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, even YouTube. You can now watch good things on Ceasefire TV on Channel 70, right next to the Weather Channel, which is going to tell you brr for the next couple of days. The good news is it's warming up, and there's some good things to get out and see and do. You'd like tomorrow night, you can get out to Thalyamar Hall at 730 to hear nothing but the blues with singer Shana Steele. She's in the house with us. She'll also be in the house with the Mississippi Symphony Orchestra as they open their 78th um, season. So, Shana, you kind of have the background of being on Broadway, obviously singing in a lot of different places, a lot of different stages, even Star Search, which I think that's incredible um, <laughs> um back when you know like yes that's incredible but so what's it like that the first time you sing with an orchestra because that's a lot of folks playing music at yeah. one time although it's beautiful that's the way it's supposed to be but i feel like that would be intensely intimidating yeah it's intimidating if you don't know when you're supposed to enter um, the, the, the top of the song, because mm-hmm. if you miss the entrance, like they're not stopping for you. There's no like, Oh, let's try that again or let's vamp the beginning until I come in because it's very, you know, it's very set. The, the music is set. So I always feel like singing with an orchestra is like hauling a cruise ship along. It's just like this big, enormous, massive thing. And I'm the captain of the ship. And if I press the brakes, it's going to keep going. It's going to take a long time to slow it down. So. I try, I try to be very prepared. No slowing it down, being no. sort of um, very prepared. I yeah. also love, too, that your genre, I guess your genre, is jazz and soulful and mm-hmm. sort of blues. Did it, I mean, did it find you? Did you find it? Was it just kind of who you were meant to, like, created to be in terms of being an artist when you mm-hmm. were trying to find your way into the industry? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, anytime that I've worked with certain people in the industry, um, especially when you're working with record labels, they definitely want to peg you as one style of music. They want your album to be cohesive. And that's always been difficult for me to do because I love so many different styles. I consider myself a multi-genre artist. Um, so the music, uh, the music has definitely found me. And when it, when it comes to terms of like picking songs or writing for an album, I'm just more of like, well, what would I want to listen to as opposed to what would get me a Grammy nomination in the R&B category? It's just I can't think from that mindset or it just won't be genuine. It wouldn't be genuine. I no. <clears throat> and I agree with that. And when you think about how many artists are after sort of that Grammy and there's only like one, you know, there's so yeah. few that actually sort of make it when if they would have spent their career doing something more authentic, would it have given them more Absolutely. life to their career or just even more joy? I mean, I think that's kind of in any inter- entertainment yeah. profession that Absolutely. one has to sort of wrestle, sort of wrestle with, for, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. Speaking, though, of the blues, I mean, when we think back to the blues here in Mississippi, birthplace of it mm-hmm. in that respect, I also don't think about the orchestra playing the blues. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's the beauty of it, though, right? Is yeah. the fact that it's a unique experience. So, how does that work? 
Well, um, the blues program, so the way that the orchestras work is that the the configuration of the orchestra is usually based on the genre of music. Obviously, when I'm doing any kind of a Christmas program, it's a much more like classically based. You have harps and you have French horns and, uh, you know, um, I can't even. My brain is not. I need my catfish. That's what it is. I haven't you had catfish. Cat I haven't had and cat your barbecue yet. and your king. Yeah. <laughs> um, as opposed to like when you're doing the blues program, there's going to be more horns in mm-hmm. in that in that setup. So it it's it's really fitting. And if you listen to some of the old, you know, Billie Holiday or Ella Fitzgerald records, where they're they're covering a lot of these songs that Bessie Smith um, and uh, Ma Rainey were doing, there are a lot of strings in those recordings. It's actually quite common in this style of music. And that's something too, I think when you take the time to go to events like this and, and sort of see pairings that I, I, the unusual is not the right word but just, you know, from a different perspective yeah. you get to open, you're opened up to a new way of hearing the music you've heard for Absolutely. a long time mm-hmm. or you think you just hear it in one way or you're only told that it's just you know, guitar or saxophone or sort of whatever, but then you recognize, wow, their influence into the blues also brought in so many other instruments and genres Absolutely. as too, even though they influenced so many other genres that were never created sort of, mm-hmm. you know, after them mm-hmm. in that way. <clears throat> I love those that you usually come back from Mardi Gras, which we were talking about. It's on everybody's mind right now. They're either well, either that or baseball. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, headed down to uh, Biloxi for, for Mardi Gras. I know you're not going to make it um, yeah. sort of this year, but we were talking about king cakes. And so we're going to try to figure out a way to get you a king cake back, to your, back to your husband. Who Now, um, now your husband, has he ever come to Mississippi with you? Yes. Well, we got married in Biloxi. Okay. Yeah, yeah. actually, it was right after Hurricane Katrina. Katrina, our wedding was the first event that the Beau Rivage had. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. It's also pretty cool. One of your other only times to sing in Mississippi after you left was when? At inauguration? Uh, no. W- well, when I was still living here, when I was a kid, I sang at Ray Mavis' inauguration here in Jackson. <laughs> You're just full of, like, little surprises. Oh, yeah. yeah. In, in that way. <laughs> okay, so albums. You've put out a few. How many uh, How many albums, Shana Still, do you have out? I've put out three full-length albums, and I'll be putting out a fourth on April 21st. Are they all still the same sort of style of music, or do you sort of play around with each album and do something different? I mean, it's it's definitely going in the same direction. I mean, it, it, when you listen to an album during a certain time, it's it's reminiscent of the era. Like you can tell, like oh, she was listening to a lot of Erica Badu during that time or Jill Scott. But as as time has progressed and I've gotten older, um, it's uh, it's definitely turned into my own thing, like my own sound. But this new album, I think, is represents me as an artist the most out of everything. You know, albums like I guess uh, I think of it in terms of like with a writer. Every time you put out a new project, mm-hmm. particularly like a longer book or if you're a novelist, it's a completely different story. It's like there's themes of the writer that's in them all, but then they're all different collections of different thoughts and different times and different whatever. So before you sit down to sort of think about, okay, this next album, you know, what kind of goes through your creative process of of what collection, I guess, of offerings you want to add to that one? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Think of it as chapters instead of songs. I don't know. Yeah, and and I know that the singles game is, is big business right now. Everyone's all about singles and getting on Spotify playlists, but I'm really old school. I think of an album as 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 a book. You know, I'm telling a story. Um, I'm 
I'm pretty specific about the order of songs that I put them in, not only from a musical standpoint, like what key, you don't want to put like three songs in the key of C back to back because that can get a little boring um, down to like, well, does the story make sense? Just the flow of an album, because uh, I grew up in that era of the 80s where you listen to an album from beginning to end. There was no skipping forward, you know, unless you wanted to fast forward a tape and sit there forever and then and wind it back yeah. and then flip it around exactly. and, do, and do the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Which I think it's funny that um, when things are getting what was once old is new again mm-hmm. and sort of the um, records are having its moment and sort yeah. of it's come back. We, but we we just skipped right over CDs and, and tape cassettes. We said, you know what, we're just going to go right back to the vinyl. Let's just go cool way back if we're, yeah. we're going to go back yeah. uh, and go back in that way. <laughs> it's funny. I mentioned uh, Shana um, King Cakes and our text on our text line, Ray in Long Beach, Paul's Pastry in Picayune ships King Cakes internationally. Oh, so I'm I'm telling you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> How have you been associated with Mississippi for this long and hadn't had a Paul's pastry? We're going to fix that. I probably have. And we I just won't don't hold know. it against yeah. you. We'll just totally make sure that it's it, that we eradicate that. And then for, from from now on, you will definitely you'll definitely know. OK, talking about tomorrow night, mm-hmm. 730. It opens up. Yeah. Um, how about you said about two hours with uh, with intermission. Mm-hmm. But um, anything else about the show you want us to, to know about or what to expect when we come? Um, and enjoy some some great music. Well, I, I'd say the last time that I did the show, I remember everyone said I felt like I was walking into a different time, a different age, and that's and that's really what we're trying to bring to the stage. I mean, just the, the band and uh, the orchestra in general, like the way that they sound. The arrangements are so authentic; they're so lush and uh, and and I mean, I feel like I bring it. So you're gonna be you're gonna be happy. <laughs> So what are you wearing? Like like a big Ooh. dress? Or oh, I like always a- have something. I am, you know, I never wear the same thing over and over again for a performance. So I've got a couple things up my When you think about, like, yeah. you're going back in time now, I'm yeah. thinking, man, she's, is your mic going to be like they had it like back no, in the day? You no, know? no. I don't know how good those sound in a live, in a live <laughs> setting nowadays. Now, on um, TV, they make it look, and in the movies, they I'm, make it look super real. That's not what they're recording on, though. <laughs> no, I think Yeah, it. for sure. Um so I, I I have no idea what I'm saying. I mean, I do have One favorite mics. One song you're most looking forward to? Um, probably. Um, oh gosh, that's so hard. That's hard. Um, St. Louis Blues. I really like doing that one. And. Um, Backwater Blues, that's a good one, too. So. That's that's a real good one. Yeah. And will you be singing some of your originals? I am. Sort of mixed in there? Yeah, I'm going to sing one of my originals from my my first full-length album. It's called Wear Me Down. All right. Well, yeah. I hope we haven't worn you down. No, but we want to encourage folks to get out, get their tickets. 7.30 tomorrow night. It's a one-time only. Get them online before you get there. Thalia Mar Hall. Where can we go and support you, Shana Steele, like in terms of your albums and all the things online. Yeah, just visit com. I'm also on Instagram under Shana Steele and Facebook on Shana Steele Music. All right, Paul's Pastry. Paul's Pastry, come on. Somebody, bring it on. <laughs> Stick with us. I got more up next. <laughs> Rebecca Turner. She looks 
healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Makes when you go into the quantum realm, Rhino. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I know this one. I feel like I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget we're streaming live over at supertalk.fm, but it is Friday, which means we have Tanya in the house to talk movies. And I was like, I know what weekend this is. <laughs> yes. So for those who may not know, what was that music for? Um, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Quantum Mania. A quantum they made up words for their for the name of their movie. Yeah, <laughs> that one's uh, every now and then I get tongue tied on certain words, and that's one of them. My southern draw won't quite get there, but this is phase five in the Marvel universe. So we just finished four with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and so now here we go. And I don't know about you, but I'm having trouble keeping up with them. <laughs> All these phases. Absolutely. I didn't even know there were phases until you you educated us. But it's getting more and more. You know, I feel like when the TV shows started, they weren't quite as important to kind of keep up with things. But I feel like that's changed. I think, you know, if you really want to know what's coming and, um, you know, all of this stuff is building up to another Avenger, you know, series where everybody comes together and, you know, with one common mission. And so all of these little movies and TV shows are building toward that. But this is the third in the Ant-Man series. Um, and for me, this movie sort of bridges um, and kind of kicks off the multiverse saga, which, you know, we're seeing more and more of that. And I think that's probably because the there's no limit on what you can do as far right. as storyline when you do that. But, um, and also this one introduces Kang the Conqueror, who for me was the standout in this movie. Um, so you got to see it last night. Yes, I saw it yesterday. And, um, Jonathan Major plays Kang. He is having a great year. Um, we saw him a little earlier this year in the movie Devotion. Um, and then, Next month, he's going to be in Creed 3. Um, and then, of course, he's taken over the role, of, or he is Kang. Now, we first met this character in the Loki TV series ah. at the very end of the first season. We're introduced to a very, you know, kind of mild version of this guy who, um, well, just backing up, this one kicks off with... Um, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Um, he is living his life in San Francisco. His character is Scott Lang. Um, he's living in San Francisco, making the most of being one of the Avengers that saved the Earth, you know. And he can't go anywhere without people pointing and staring and asking for selfies and paying for his coffee, paying for his lunch. I mean, he's just kind of a star right now. And so he's, um, you know, he wrote a book. He's just really capitalizing on, on his fame for the moment. Um, so life is pretty good. Um, but he is still kind of struggling with the fact that he doesn't quite feel like he 
is a real avenger because he's really just a real guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, he's reconciling his past where he was a criminal in jail and the fact that he's lost so much time with his daughter between his incarceration and the blip that, you know, they were apart right. for the five years. And so um, anyway, he, um, you know, he's just kind of coming to terms with, you know, what's next for me. And while um, the blip was happening, his daughter Cassie uh, had a lot of time on her hands with everybody gone. So she got into Hank Pym's lab, which, okay, so we know Scott is dating Hope, who is the wasp, and her dad is Hank Pym, who is the one that that Crazy. came up with Ant-Man, designed the suit and everything. He was the original Ant-Man. And... um she gets into his lab, finds his journals, and just kind of, you know, takes a dive in there trying to figure out if she can come up with a way to get all, everybody back that had disappeared. And in the process, she figured out a way to travel to the quantum realm. Or, wait, I'm saying that wrong, the realm. But um anyway... She's so excited. She's so, she's showing all of them this contraption that she's built. Mm-hmm. And of course, Something they like all get sucked in. And before <laughs> you know it, they're there. And the quantum realm is where, um, Hope's mother, Janet, has been, you know, in the last movie, she, you know, was gone. And we find out that she's been trapped on this realm for 30 years. And so they go back to where she had been trapped for all those years. I would never go back. I know. <laughs> and so when they, out. when they get there, she, of course, is very distressed. And now she has to come clean about what happened while she was there. And she unknowingly helped the Kang um, basically his attempt to break out and take over the world she gave him some help doing that so she's also wrestling with guilt over that and you know so he's trying to use them to get out and they're trying to fight to keep him in so that's kind of what is it good though (laughs) yes there's a lot to (laughs) it yeah and you have to i mean you know you just have to go with it um but yes i thought it was great i thought you know paul rudd is just great i mean he's like the perfect person for this role yeah and um Michael Douglas is great. Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, she looks incredible. I'm like, she does not age. She looks exactly the same. Evangeline Lilly is great as hope. Um, but like I said earlier, um, I feel like Jonathan Majors, he is the next big bad guy for these, this series. And he makes Thanos look like a wimp. I mean, he is equally charming and terrifying at the same time so it's really a hard mix to pull off and he does it can you still catch up with it if you hadn't seen other the any of the Lokis, any of the things like that yeah i think you could still follow they do enough of kind of telling you what happened um you know referencing it so you can keep up but i think it definitely would pay off for you to go back and rewatch some of them. I mean, watch the first two. Um, and I, you're fine if you haven't seen Loki, for sure. Um, and the other person that I thought had a great role is William Jackson Harper. He plays um, on this, in the realm, there are all these um, creatures, and they kind of remind me of 
anytime you see a bar scene in a Star Wars movie, <laughs> you know, all it's the weird creatures, <laughs> <laughs> all the odd looking things, people, creatures, aliens, whatever you want to call them. There, that's who's there. And um, William Jackson Harper plays Quaz, and he's really funny. So I was excited to see him. Um, and then, um, yeah, it's definitely one you want to see on the big screen because it's just mind-blowing, the special effects and the colors. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely fun. There is a mid credit scene that will haunt me for days and weeks to come. And then you have a post-credit scene. So mid-credit, yeah, okay. yeah. So make sure um, if you have to go to the bathroom, stay for the mid-credit, run out, and come back. You'll have time. You'll have time to do that. Any, yeah. Anything else this weekend? Um, there actually is a couple of new movies. Um, Marlowe is a rated R movie, and it's uh, Liam Neeson, and it's one of those um, sort of a detective movie set in the early 30s um so and it's rated r i think i said that and then another rated r movie and this one do not make the mistake of taking your kids it's winnie the pooh blood and honey (laughs) and so (laughs) what a title (laughs) and this one uh christopher robin has abandoned pooh bear (laughs) and (laughs) and piglet and so they become feral and have to fend for themselves and they kind of in the process of doing that and being abandoned they get a taste for blood who was high and the so, day that they gave this project a green light <laughs> and so they're out there just being destructive you know just not the poo bear we're accustomed to seeing I'm going to hope, you know, knock at the door did well. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> nothing will amaze me, but I'm hoping this is this one tanks. Yeah. I don't even need to see the trailer. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I have seen a couple of trailers, but as far as I have not heard any buzz about it. So I don't think anybody's running out to see it. I would if you if you appreciate your childhood and your future <laughs> restful nights of sleep. Yeah. I can't see why this would be something you would want to want to enjoy. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to Ant-Man. I think that's going to be. Um, a lot of fun for sure yeah it's definitely you know for i think everybody will enjoy it but if you are one that really pays attention to the mike from grand bay what about eeyore is he just the same oh i don't know if eeyore's in it told y'all life sucks (laughs) 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 saw this coming yeah you know from the from the very get-go yeah he was always kind of abandoned so (laughs) yeah he's probably the the, you know sitting back told you so but yeah that's funny all right tanya we appreciate you you guys stick with us we got a little bit more for you coming up next Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
You can watch good things on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. You can also catch country music superstar Morgan Moylan in Oxford in April. That would be April 23rd on Sunday at Vault Hemingway Stadium. And you can win tickets. Supertalk wants to help you get the chance of a lifetime by getting two sweet seat tickets for this great event. And you can do that by going to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wallen. You can find places around town all throughout the state <clears throat> to go and register. It's just your name and registration, little drop box. And, for example, you can register to win tickets by going to Celebration Nutrition in Columbus. Um, oh, what do we call it in Macomb? Be Quick. No, Be Quick. Be Quick. I got it. Be Quick in Macomb. <laughs> I feel like they, I need to know the story behind how they came up with the name. But um, Got Gear Motorsports in Ridgeland, of course, uh, many more. This is all brought to you by our great sponsors of First South Farm Credit, King's Daughter Medical Center, Jumpstart Test Prep, and Toyota of Brookhaven. So time's sticking down for that. So while you're out and about, if you see that box, just go on and sign up or just head on over to supertalk.fm slash Morgan Wall. And you can find a place that's closest to you. And it should be a lot of fun. You and I were having a lot of fun with Tanya during the break. Rhino talking about taking the Eeyore idea. You know, Eeyore always thought that he, you know, always played the role of just doomsday. Everything's terrible. You know, whatever, whatever. I don't like the idea of taking the Winnie the Pooh story and making it like blood and gore necessarily. But I could totally see. The characters, you know, creating kind of like a Godfather scenario where they're they're a family of mobsters of some kind, maybe not real evil. Well, I guess you know, well, not the blood and gore thing, right? Like you can assume that that's going on, but you don't have to like throw it into it. Well, you know why all that's happening, right? <clears throat> why? Because Winnie the Pooh and certain other characters from the Hundred Acre Wood are now in the public domain. Their copyright has expired. Oh. So you can use them in your stories without getting sued for copyright infringement. How did that happen where they didn't go back and, like, get 100 more years on them or something? Because uh, the people in charge of Winnie the Pooh aren't Disney. Disney's really been the only people that have been able to pull off lobbying Congress well enough to get their copyrights extended. That's why you haven't seen a horror version of Mickey Mouse. And the closest thing to it has been vaulted and will never see the light of day. Well, that's unfortunate. I hate that because then those are the type of things. Well, now I got away from my fun story. But those are the type of things that will wind up like on YouTube Kids and crap like that. And then your three-year-old ends up seeing obscene things about the wonderful. Anyway, the fun part of it was, though, if you wanted to run with it for a second as an adult, not as a child. But I feel like Piglet would be the mob boss. I totally can see it. Oh, yeah. You got a big, shiny desk in an office overlooking a a city at night. Because he was smart. Big high back chair behind the desk facing out the window. And as the camera slowly zooms into the desk past the chairs in the front, the big chair turns around to have Piglet sitting there. Absolutely. Smoking a stogie and laughing maniacally. Absolutely. Because he just sent off... Tigger and some of the other rabbits to be the, I guess, the arms of the operation, right? I would say his right man, right hand man, would be Owl. The right hand man, yes, totally. And then there's always that one relative who's just sits there drinking the wine and eating the um, spaghetti or the Italian food and always like throws in a few one liners and then is told to shut up. That would be Pooh. Unfortunately, he's just here for the. 
you know, for the grub. He doesn't just have the red shirt on. He's got the red and white plaid tablecloth tucked in as a bib. I think Tigger would be uh, the Frito. <laughs> Fredo. Fredo, sorry. Fredo, not, not corn chips. <laughs> Tigger would either be Fredo in the situation or... I could see him being an enforcer. He's got a lot of energy. He does. He I may just, be the hair trigger enforcer. You know, um, I, but I also see him kind of as the goofy one that doesn't have a whole lot of brains, but he just goes out and does what he's sort of told and bounces around and sort of whatever uh, you know, whatever it may be. I'm not sure who Krista Robertson would actually be in this sort of scenario, but. Piglet definitely bought balls. Piglet's got Christopher <clears throat> Robin locked up in a closet somewhere. Yeah, I totally feel like there's there's some definite dynamic there that therapy probably wouldn't necessarily <laughs> necessarily touch real well. And then, um, oh, but Eeyore, again, Eeyore would just be Eeyore. He would just kind of be like, you know. Eeyore would be the homeless guy on the street outside the big building where Piglet works. Mm-hmm. He would be. See, there you go. It's out of copyright. We already writ- we've written the whole story for you. All you got to do is make the movie, and we'll go if watch it. If you ever it. go make it, I don't even know what you would call it, but it's the Boo version of Godfather. There you go. You you you, you just call it Hundred Acres. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, you just gave somebody a, a really great Hundred Acres of Pain. Hundred Acres. <laughs> uh, stick with us. You got plenty more coming up next. You got the boys with sports talk from three to six p.m. Rhino and I will meet you back here Monday at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Mississippi Media Production.